Hello, I'm Alexia, and let me help you to take the fear out of birth with a mix of real-life positive birth stories and birthing experts sharing their wisdom. I'll also be sharing techniques for getting into the fearless birthing mindset. And join the Fearless Mumship community for bonus podcast episodes, access to free birth preparation downloads, and loads more stuff to help you to prepare for a positive birth. Join today at fearfreechildbirth.com. Hello and welcome back to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leachman. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now, today's episode is really, really important. I am speaking to somebody all about the pelvic floor. And I'm telling you this as someone who's come out the other end and tried to go trampolining. So when I tell you that it's really important, I mean it. Anyway, today's chat is brilliant. But before I go into today's chat, because I've got a, a brilliant, brilliant guest on, uh, I just have a little few things I just want to update you on. Now, if you heard last week's episode, you'll know I gave a big shout out to Nina, who was battling some challenging healthcare professionals in Japan who were pressuring her for an induction. Well, she was listening to last week's episode and she heard my shout out and it got her all tearful. And then she had to stop listening to the podcast because labour kicked off and she ended up having an amazing, really fast, wonderful birth. So that is what happened last week. That is the power of the podcast. So I was thrilled to to get that news from Nina. She jumped into the Facebook group to update us on how things went. So thank you, Nina. I hope all is going well with your new little one. Um, now, I've also got something, a special deal for my listeners, actually. If you're based in the UK, you will know that this weekend it's Mother's Day. Now, as uh, as a mother, obviously, this is very, very nice. Um, and I might get a card or something like that. I don't know. But also, as someone who doesn't have a mother, I also find it very, very difficult. And so it's a bit of a mixed weekend for me, to be perfectly honest. And so I thought, well, rather than dwelling on my own sorrow and wallowing in my own pity, I just want to sort of focus on other people instead. So I've decided I'm going to offer five lucky people half price fear clearance session that's got to be taken in the next week because I just want to focus on helping other people instead of my own stuff. So uh, if you are subscribed to my uh, list, if you receive my emails, then there'll be a special deal in the email that I'll be sending out this week. It'll be going out on Friday. So if you've listened to it today, it'll be going out on Friday. So listen out for that. And if you have some fear clearance work that you want doing, then I'm going to be giving away only five spots, but they'll be half price. And that's so that I can just focus on other people to get me through the weekend. But then I thought, hang on, if I'm going to be doing this, why don't I just extend it? So also, if you're up for just doing that work yourself and you want to use the head trash clearance method, then I'm going to offer a 50% discount on my head trash clearance method course. Now, the head trash clearance method is the big method, the method that I use for all my fear clearance, and it's part of the Fearless Birthing Academy. But the Fearless Birthing Academy is currently closed because I'm not taking enrolments at the moment. But if you are really up for doing this work yourself, you've got some fears that you want to clear, you're not really sure that a one-to-one session is what you want and you just want to do it yourself, then I'll be offering a 50% discount on that. It's normally $197 and you can get it for half price. So all the deets and the links and all that good stuff is going to be in the newsletter that's going out on Friday uh, this week, which will be straight after the launch of the podcast. So if that's what you want, if you're really up for doing this work, and the reason I'm doing this is is to sort of take away from my own um, my own complicated emotions that happen every year around Mother's Day, but also because to be a great mother, you need to have worked on your stuff. 
And so this is my way of preparing the mothers of tomorrow to be amazing mothers. So um, if that's what you want, then come and find the details on the email that will be going out. If you want to join the email list, you can do that at the homepage of fearfreechildbirth.com. Just join the community, uh, which is a big drop down that appears and you will be added to the list and you will get the details. Okay, now back to today's episode. Today, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm talking about pelvic floors. Now, this is so important. This is so important and I really, I should have done a lot more during both my pregnancies and following my pregnancies and I didn't and I am now giving myself a bit of a smack on the back of the hand. But today I'm speaking to Anita Lambert. Now Anita is from Toronto in Canada. She was a big fan of the podcast. She listened to it. She's recently got a little one uh, who's over a year now anyway so yeah way too long and we've been in touch because she was emailing me during her pregnancy she started listening before her pregnancy as well because she works a lot with um, pre and postnatal women so it's been very useful for her in terms of her work and then it was useful for her for her pregnancy so today's episode is actually a two-in-one episode if I'm perfectly honest because Anita starts by sharing with us her positive birth story and then she goes on to tell us all about the pelvic floor stuff how you can prepare during pregnancy, what you can do in terms of preparing for your birth, what the, there's, there's some special checks that you can do before you're even pregnant. And there's also another one that you need to do just before the birth, which I just didn't know anything about. And then she also shares some really great exercises that you can do after birth as well. So really, Anita is sharing a ton of really great information. And it's also really good for those that maybe are listening that have had babies and you're for some reason you're still listening to the podcast and you're thinking, ah, oh, really should, like me, should have done those um, pelvic floor exercises. Now I can't go trampolining because obviously trampolining is at the top of everyone's list. <laughs> well, it is when you have a four-year-old, believe me. Um, and so now you're thinking, what can I do? Is it too late? So Anita spills the beans on all this stuff and it's really really interesting really certainly helped me to understand it a lot better so here's the time that I spoke to Anita oh and by the way I forgot to switch my microphone on uh, from the desktop one to the the proper big nice microphone I have uh, so I sound like I'm in a fishbowl so I really have to apologize thankfully Anita's doing most of the talking not me but that's why I sound a little bit weird during this podcast anyway here is the time I spoke to Anita all about the pelvic floor I hope you enjoy it Welcome, Anita, to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you on because you we were in touch while you were pregnant as a listener on the podcast. And then, now here we are. Your little one is, I can't believe, 13 months old. So that is such, I know. I know. <laughs> but also, your work is something that's absolutely relevant to pregnant women. So this is why you're on the podcast, sharing your story, but also sharing your work. So it's I'll give a bit of a clue before I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself, but it's basically about pelvic floors, ladies. So, <laughs> Anita, just tell us a little bit more about who you are and, yeah, a little bit more about what you do as well. Sure, yeah. So, um, I'm a new mom to uh, my daughter who's 13 months. And uh, so, I'm a pelvic floor and orthopedic physiotherapist. So, I see women um, mainly through the stages of preparing for pregnancy, during pregnancy, and postpartum to help prevent and resolve so many of these common um, pelvic floor and core issues that we hear about from friends, from our moms, from our grandma's generation. Um, and we're, we're kind of told that this is kind of what is just part of um, becoming a mom or being a mom. Um, and that seeing a pelvic floor physio means that you don't actually have to deal with these and you can actually um, 
put steps in place to try to prevent them. So things like leaking and, you know, as Alexia, as you mentioned uh, <laughs> earlier when we were chatting, jumping on a trampoline and leaking, yeah. which is a really common um, issue women come in with. Um, also prolapse. So um, if any of the uh, pelvic organs start to lower, um, that can be a common issue. Diastasis, which is a, a abdominal separation, which can commonly happen during pregnancy and can even stay afterwards. Um, back pain, pelvic pain, there's so many um, issues that so many women are just told, yeah, it's just kind of part of the deal. Um, and so I just want women to know that it's not, and there's lots that you can do about it. Brilliant. Well, we're going to dive into mm-hmm. all that in a little bit more detail. But first mm-hmm. of all, because, and, and just from a selfish perspective, I want to hear all about <laughs> your own pregnancy journey and birth yeah. because... Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you're in touch while you were pregnant. You said that you listened to the podcast. And, and I just, mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, nosy as hell, basically. I just want to know how <laughs> it all went. So tell me, yeah. how, was, how, was your, how was your pregnancy first? How was your, what brought you to the podcast? What, what kind of emotional state were you in, I guess? What, what mm-hmm. was it like for you? Yeah, so I, I would say I had a very positive pregnancy. Um, I actually had found your podcast even before I was pregnant. And I was listening to it for the purpose of, learning myself and being able to pass information along to my clients. And then a few months after I became pregnant and um, I just, well, I found the podcast amazing. I would listen to it actually on my commute to and and from work. And um, yeah, it was very positive. I didn't, I didn't actually have any pelvic floor issues. I also, though, before we got pregnant, I did see one of my colleagues who's a pelvic floor physio just to check to make sure Everything was in a good place and uh, a good foundation. So I think that really helped. And yeah, during pregnancy, I stayed quite active, um, kept up with um, going to the gym and, um, and doing yoga, different types of activities. Um, I would say near the end, I guess it may be around 36, 37 weeks, I had a little bit of um, SI or kind of pelvic pain in the back that kind of was very, um, kind of didn't last very long. Um, that went away. So, uh, so yeah, I would say during pregnancy, I didn't really feel held back um, by what was happening with my body. Um, emotionally, I would say also going into it, especially with the podcast, and I just love, I'm so passionate about birth and about pregnancy. So I had really kind of read everything I could find, um, went to so many workshops for the benefit of my clients, but then also being pregnant, it was kind of a yeah. double bonus um, <laughs> with that as well. So I would say definitely going in, Um, I didn't have a a ton of fears about birth. And also, I think it helped that anytime I had talked to my mom or my mom had ever mentioned about my birth, she always talked about it being a very positive experience. And I see how much that can really help women or hinder women if you end up hearing a lot of negative stories and especially about you being born, that that can really manifest internally and come out later. So I think that really helped thankful for my, my mom uh, for introducing it that way. But also being in this line of work, I do see women who've gone through all different birth experiences. So I just wanted to make sure that anything maybe I had internalized and not been aware of that I was letting that go. So I actually used your um, fear clearance um, technique, kind of in the third trimester, just to kind of clear anything that might have been internally and I maybe wasn't even aware of. So thank you for that, because I (laughs) felt that was very helpful. So I feel like I went into birth feeling um, I didn't really have fears about it and, um, and just felt also flexible with what may happen, being knowledgeable ahead of time. I felt like uh, it was helpful to be able to make decisions in the process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how did it all kick mm-hmm. off and how, how, uh, 
<laughs> yeah. Was, was so early was she late? How did it all go? Yeah. So she came at forty-one and one. So she was a bit after her due date, and I'm I'm pretty sure her due date was pretty pretty accurate. And it was um, helpful that um, kind of my my midwives weren't um, you know pushing me to be like, oh, it's you know the date is wrong or whatnot. Like what we thought was the correct date, I I felt it was as well. I'm looking at my cycle. And um, yeah, so usually when we talk about labor and things kick off and they start slow and things are really spaced out and uh, that did not happen. So in terms of when um, when I was 41 uh, weeks, I had actually had an appointment with my midwives that day. And at that point, um, I felt comfortable in terms of having a stretch and sweep just to see if um, if that was going to be helpful or not. And so I had that that day. And then I also went to see a pelvic floor physio peer of mine. And what we do is um, some, they're very gentle external ligament releases. So for your broad ligament, round ligament, and sacral ligament. So she did those on me and we tend to do those 37 weeks or beyond. And I realized at that point, I'm like, I actually hadn't gone and had anyone do that. So I had her do it that day. On my way home from the clinic, I was on the streetcar and I kind of started to feel some minor cramping and not having a menstrual cycle in so long, it's amazing your body remembers what that feels like. You kind of, I felt like I was getting my period and obviously I wasn't. So that was happening on my way home. And, uh, and then I got home and I'm like, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm feeling it. My husband got home from work and I didn't want to excite him too much because I know so many women I've worked with are like, you know, things may start and then they stop. And so we didn't want to get our hopes up too much. But then it continued into the evening. Um, and then I really feel like I couldn't, I couldn't just sit down or lie down and rest like my body wanted me to get up and move. Um, and they were pretty, they were pretty close. So they started to get a little bit more intense, but still very manageable. Um, and just for curiosity's sake, I was like, let's see how long they last and in between. And they were about one to two minutes apart and lasting about one to two minutes. Wow. Um, yeah. So, and that kept going to the evening. So we called um, our midwives and uh, I spoke with one of them and, and, you know, I could still speak, like everything was very much fine. Like it wasn't, clearly wasn't near the end yet. Um, so she's like, we'll try to get some rest. And I just, I really couldn't sleep. So I told my husband, you know, why don't you get some rest? Because if this is it, it's going to be kind of, you know, you'll be up tomorrow. So he went to bed and I basically throughout the night and it, it's amazing how fast it goes. Um, that you really are oblivious to time. So I stayed up all night and basically sat kind of on the couch in between um, surges and then would get up and I went to the specific spot on our kitchen counter and I just kind of put my hands on it, leaned forward and I was just swaying my hips for as long as the surge or the contraction would last and then went and sat back down. And I did that for hours. Um, and then I realized it was probably about 6 a.m. And so I woke up my husband. I'm like, yeah, so I, I would like someone else to be here with me just so I'm not, you know, alone. And uh, so he got up. We called our midwives again. And uh, so they they came at that time. I also had a doula. So my natural path is also a doula. So she came and they checked me early, like I guess, nine or ten in the morning. And at that point, I was five centimeters. And the day before when they did the sweep, I was one. So they were pretty happy with their, like, your body's just doing what it needs to do. Um, and we were planning to have a home birth. So we had um, the birth tub set up in the living room. And we were, so in Toronto, those who are in Toronto or know, like, condos are not the largest place to live. So we had a small condo. And so we had gotten this kind of mini birth tub. So that was set up. 
and uh, so that was ready to go. So I was just swaying and doing kind of like the slow dance um, kind of movement, and that felt really good um, for quite a while. And um, my doula sometimes uh, I had her try like the hip squeezes and kind of the typical things we hear about trying in birth just to help. Um, during a contraction or a surge and my body just didn't really want it it just wanted to keep moving so we were doing that for quite a while and then I guess early afternoon surges started to um, space out a little bit more so my midwives were like you know what we'll leave we'll let you guys just be on your own just to see if that would change anything um, so they went out for a bit for a couple hours um, and then also what my uh, doula ha- did was she actually did acupressure, which was amazing. So it's something I also um, educate my clients with near the end of pregnancy. And so certain points can actually help almost bring surges back or for some it can actually help with um, pain management as well. So she had done some points and it seemed to bring things back pretty consistently. Um, and then we got back going in terms of kind of the, the swaying of the hips then I got in the birth tub after the midwives came back and I loved the tub. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know every woman is very different. I mean, you can prepare as much as you want in terms of different options of what you think you may like. And in the moment, you may not like something that you thought you would. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely loved the tub. So I was I was definitely in there for a while as well. Um, and pretty, pretty relaxed that my midwives at some points were like, are, are you having surges? Are these happening? Cause you seem super <laughs> relaxed. And I'm like, no, they're happening, but they're just, they're very manageable. Um, and that's actually another thing that I wanted to mention the, the fear clearance and the, and the podcast, what was really helpful. And I think even just going into birth, kind of having those fears cleared is I wouldn't actually say my labor was painful. I would say it was intense. And I know, Alexia, you've mentioned that about your own as well. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, I would say, and it, it's it's hard to describe. I'm like, it's an intensity, but I wouldn't actually use the word painful with the with in terms of the surges and how things were. Um, the only time that actually there was pain was when they did check me I think it was, yeah, when I was seven and nine centimeters and I had a student midwife as well. Um, so she checked first and then my main midwife would check after just to confirm what the student had found. And I found when the student checked me, um, that was actually quite painful. Um, but then when my midwife checked me, I didn't really feel anything. So that being said, those were kind of the only times I felt that. Um, so yeah, things continued on. And so it, it was long. And in terms of my um, my doula was fantastic, making sure I was staying very hydrated. She was making smoothies the whole time for oh, me. Wow. Um, and I remember I said, because everyone had kind of thought I would have given birth at that point by kind of by dinner time and dinner time rolled around. And I remember being aware enough that I kept asking my husband, like, can you order food for everyone else? Cause like your midwives are there and everyone's just kind of hanging out. And then, yeah, it got to the point that, um, kind of later on in terms of towards the pushing side of things. And, um, so we, I really liked being in the tubs, but my midwife felt that I was like pretty relaxed in the tub and to maybe try some other positions. So, I had gotten out of the tub. I tried some lunging. We tried the uh, birth stool. Did you say lunging? Yes. Lunging, <laughs> yes. Yeah. In terms Brilliant. of that. So there's so many different positions. I mean, being a condo, we didn't really have stairs in our condo, but I know a lot of women in their house will end up using that or in the hospital, you know, having one foot up, you can get a foot up on a chair or on the hospital bed as well. Um, 
we did the the birth stool as well and then in the end I ended up um, giving birth um, on my side on our bed um, so that's a position that I often will um, show clients as well because you really being on your back your tailbone and your sacrum don't get uh, the ability to move kind of out of the way in a way as as the baby's coming down the canal. So I had told my midwives I really didn't want to be in that position. Um, and so I ended up being on my side and my husband was holding my top leg and my doula was kind of um, kind of eye level with me. Um, and yeah, so I gave birth to her in sideline. And I mean, the amazing part too at the end is the midwives, I mean, they asked in terms of how we would like in terms of the end part to go in terms of, you know, would my husband guide the baby out? Would I guide the baby out? Did I want them to do it? And I said, you know, if it's possible, I would love to do it. So as she was crowning and they're like, you can reach down and feel her head, which I did, which was amazing. And then, yeah, in terms of as she came out, I got to pick her up. They weren't even, um, they were there obviously watching and guiding and watching for any medical concerns. Um, but I actually got to, to reach down oh. and as she came out and pull her on my chest and wow. it was just absolutely amazing, uh, amazing feeling at that point. And, uh, and you just have no idea. Time went by. I mean, it was long, but uh, you have no concept at that point. Um, and thankfully, I stayed very hydrated and, and nourished throughout the process. So, yeah, so that that was my birth experience. Wow. And, um, and I mean, like I've said um, before, in terms of we were very aware, aware before planning with the home birth, knowing, you know, having that um, if something were to happen, knowing what hospital we were going to go to, have a plan with that. We did a hospital tour. So we were very well aware that if our midwives felt like, you know what, it, it it's time to go, we should be going, um, that we were open to that. Um, but it ended up that we were able to, to give birth at home as we had hoped. So, brilliant, yeah. Brilliant. So when yeah. was that then? How long? I'm just thinking you must have been up for a good couple of days. Uh, it was, it was a lot. Well, it was, um, yeah. So I guess the kind of cramping had started, uh, the Thursday night. So it's 6 PM. And then I gave birth at almost midnight the next oh, day. Okay. So yeah. So I, the, the one night I didn't get to sleep. Um, thankfully though, during pregnancy, I actually didn't have any, um, sleep issues, which I'm very thankful for. Cause I think it would have been even more exhausted yeah. if I hadn't been sleeping the nights before, but, um, but yeah, it was kind of the one night and then an up all, up all day. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. brilliant. No, that sounds, mm -hmm. sounds wonderful. And yeah, I, I, yeah, you use fear clearance methods. So that's brilliant. Brilliant. I'm, yes. I'm curious what fears are you, would you be able to share what you worked on? Yeah. What fears did you work on? Yeah, totally. Um, so I would say in terms of, um, I did want to clear kind of the idea of being fearful of pain, yeah. um, with that. So I cleared that. And then also even tearing, um, cause I do see women with all variations of tearing, um, and that was just something I'm like, I don't know if that's in internalized and it is a very common fear. So I had cleared that as well. I think those were the two main, and then even, oh, the other part too, which I know you've mentioned before is even just like, you don't know what you're going to do in labor. Like, I remember telling my husband, like, I don't know how I'm going to act. I, I, like, I, I'm not sure really what's going to happen um, because you're kind of in your, your primal, uh, your primal brain. So I guess that idea of like, I might I, I don't know what I'm going to do. So just kind of clearing the fear of like letting my body do whatever it needs to do um, in during that process. So I'd say those were probably the, the top three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that the fear of pain, I think is such an important one. And it's interesting mm -hmm. how you, you know, I think because we have a fear of it, then we, 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 we are, yeah, we, we, we're probably more likely to bring it on, but also 
then it because lo- the experiences that you have when you're in labor it, they're not really pain it's just intense but when we have that fear of it we label it as pain mm-hmm. and we're more likely to then repeat that and therefore create pain so mm-hmm. i think working on a fear of pain is just so just so useful so it's really interesting that you worked on that and then you didn't really feel that you experienced it at all actually it's when there was a no. student midwife doing stuff and that's probably yeah down to her skill yeah. level rather than mm-hmm. birth. and it- yeah, I thought it was interesting. And also the uh, the kind of the ring of fire, which is so uh, yeah, <laughs> commonly, commonly mentioned as well. And I, I told her, I'm like, I did, I did not feel that. I did not feel her crowning. I didn't feel in terms of pain with any of that. Um, wow. So I think that that also helped with amazing, it. Amazing, amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm really mm-hmm. curious. Uh, I, I'm kind of like curious about all the pelvic stuff now, because you yeah. mentioned, you mentioned before you were pregnant, you went for a checkup. <laughs> you yes. mentioned then that thing that you do from 37 weeks. So I'm like, oh yeah. no, there's stuff you can do before you're pregnant. Like, okay, so I want to hear yeah. about So tell me about the stuff pre-pregnancy then, you know, in terms of checking yeah. your floor. Yeah. So with that, I mean, definitely I do see actually a lot of women um, who may not be planning ever on having children or just are not at the point where they are going to have children. Um, but they can, you can have pelvic floor issues. You can have leaking um, and pelvic pain can be common. Um, but even if you don't have any of that, even just going for an assessment. So basically in terms of it's similar to seeing a, a physio who doesn't do internal. So we do, you know, a detailed history about health and injuries um, your goals and concerns, looking at posture, looking at your core muscles from the outside, but then internally. So assessing your pelvic floor internally is really the gold standard to know how your pelvic floor is functioning. And um, so basically just checking to make sure that your muscles aren't too tight because um, it, it tends to be before having children, I would say tightness is more the issue. It's very, very rare that things will be very loose. Um, so you want to make sure that your almost think of your pelvic floor that if you think of ground level, you don't want it to be too tight. So you don't want to be on level two or level three in terms of that. Um, So we want to relax the pelvis so we can go down to kind of zero um, with that. So I'd say that's the, the common issue before is learning actually how to relax your pelvic floor and then learning how to um, engage it and also release it. Cause the common thing with Kegels is women often just tighten, tighten, tighten. Um, and really a true contraction of any muscle is actually um, a contraction or activation, a bit of a tightening, but then also a release. So it goes back to what we call like resting state. So that can be really helpful um, before getting pregnant. So that, that's what I had gone for. And okay. I actually had tightness um in some of the pelvic floor muscles on the right side of my pelvis, which I wasn't too surprised because growing up um, as a ballet dancer and an athlete, I actually remember having right side, like it, it would exhibit as right hip um, discomfort with certain things, especially if I did long distance running, my right hip by the end would be sore. And you can actually, the pelvic floor muscles can actually refer to uh, spots in your hip and your low back, your groin, your inner thigh. So I really think that I probably had that tightness for years before, but never really knew about it until I had had that internal before even thinking about getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, surely if you're somebody that exercises a lot, if you're somebody that yeah. is generally fit, 
then it, <laughs> does that mean that your pelvic floor is more likely to be, I mean, can you have a, a fit pelvic floor in that sense? <laughs> that yeah. Um, interesting enough, I would actually say um, a lot of women I see, if they're really active and really athletic before that, that tightness can actually role um because so in so many activities and i even think back to my dance background like we're often told you know tighten your core you know tighten your glutes and everything so some with some sports you may actually be um have been taught to tighten all through the years so then when you do have an internal i i i often do see that there's actually a tightness in the pelvic floor so actually what you need to do is then learn to relax it more and learn to disengage yes. it more okay yeah okay. disengage it and then once that happens then we want to balance it so we want to make sure that it can you know tighten depending on what the activity the specific activity you're doing and then also release as well so that it's just like any other muscle and can do both okay so then let's fast forward to the bit in pregnancy then that you said was yeah. it from 37 weeks you said there was a yeah thing. so tell so, me more about um, that what's that about yeah, so the, the that technique at 37 weeks is they're very gentle external techniques. And basically, we're looking at the round ligament, broad ligament, and uterosacral ligament. And we just want to make sure that there's symmetry um, between them and uh, to make sure that there isn't too much tension. So sometimes an asymmetry with them can basically mean that one side is tighter. And because of where those ligaments attach, that can affect um, how symmetrical your pelvis is and that will that can affect how the baby moves down the canal so a big part throughout pregnancy so I'll see women um, even kind of as early as the first trimester and something that we we work on throughout especially the third trimester is that symmetry in the pelvis Um, because if we can create that that also creates a, a more optimal environment for the baby to move down well because sometimes even stalling um, during labor can can be a sign that maybe things aren't quite as uh, symmetrical as they could or things are tight. So that's another reason to address a tight pelvic floor. If women learn how to release it and then we, we talk about cues um, and visualization to release your pelvic floor during labor and during um, kind of the pushing phase, uh, that can greatly help as well. So we start all of that in pregnancy so then when it comes to labor it's not a big surprise so actually mm-hmm. you can do there's, there's there's quite a lot of pelvic floor prep then that you can do during yeah. pregnancy to basically yeah. help you to make sure the birth canal is you know all, all aligned all balanced all straightened yes. out and and yeah. you use using those muscles and that stuff you can do during pregnancy so yeah brilliant okay how often then if somebody mm-hmm. was going to really you know mm-hmm. be completely into the whole pelvic floor prep thing mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. how often would they need to go and see somebody like you during pregnancy right um and you know what it really it it depends also um because some women who may be going into pregnancy who already have children can be going into pregnancy with um issues already so i do see a lot of those women who are you know leaking or their diastasis that ab separation didn't fully heal um after subsequent births um so that's something I may see them more to address those particular issues. Um, but someone going into their first pregnancy who maybe doesn't have any symptoms, I would see them less because it's more about preventing symptoms um, from coming on and then preparing for birth. So it's really hard. It's hard to say. Um, but I just I always tell women it's never too early, but it's also never too late. So I've even seen women who for the first time they're seeing me at 37, 38 weeks. Mm-hmm. So I may only get to see them once mm-hmm. before birth. 
but there's definitely a lot of information um, and a lot of education that I can provide them um, to, to make that birth a even more positive experience and as well help with their postpartum recovery. So that's another big aspect. If you go during pregnancy, you're much more prepared for efficiently recovering afterwards, especially in that initial part. Mm. And I've seen some incredible photos on Facebook, obviously on Facebook, where women have <laughs> gone to see somebody about their pelvic from their posture and how it really changes yes. how their bump appears. You know, like the side-on photos where just yeah. having that, 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 that realignment can really help them to carry themselves better and be a lot more comfortable in pregnancy. So those yeah. are the things you would help people with as well. Yes. Yeah. Alignment is huge. I would say alignment is probably even the most important part because if we don't know how to kind of align our body or place our body in a, in a great position, then our, our pelvic floor, but our entire core doesn't necessarily have um, the easiest time activating to support ourselves. So you could do all the core work in the world you want, but then if you're going about your day with poor posture, or poor alignment, then you won't necessarily get the, the benefit of it. And mm. with pregnancy, I mean, there's so many changes as your belly grows, your, your base of support starts to shift, right? And then your body is very smart and figures out how can I compensate to support yeah. this, you know, growing belly, growing chest, there's hormones that are changing. Um, so if we can create that uh, wonderful alignment in pregnancy, that also can help afterwards. Because once the baby comes out, our body doesn't just all of a sudden remember, oh, I should, you know, go back to this posture that I was in before pregnancy. And for some women, it wasn't great before pregnancy. So even with that, it's not the most helpful. So mm. having those, um, those kind of those tips during pregnancy can just can totally um, change how the postpartum recovery is as well. Mm. Now, um, mm -hmm. I, I, in my second pregnancy, I had SPD or pelvic girdle distress. Mm -hmm. That's is it. Some, I don't know what the SPD stands for. Is it? Is it yeah, the same thing? they're both the same thing, aren't they? Yeah. So pubic symphysis dysfunction. It's um, and there, there's a f exactly a few words for it. And it's that. So did you have the pain in the front of your pelvis? I had it the, on my. It was on my. It really hit the side of my thigh. I'm just pointing. Obviously, nobody can uh, see yes, this. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I'm pointing <laughs> to the side of my thigh. I could feel it like my pelvic bone area was clicking as I walked, and it was absolute uh, agony. Yes. And um, yeah, I, when I obviously what every pregnant woman does when she has any kind of symptoms, she I googled it, which was a big yes. mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it was quite late in my pregnancy. I'd say maybe thirty six, maybe thirty five. I, I don't know that kind of time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it was it was awful because I read it and they went, "Oh, that's it. You're stuck like this till the birth." Nothing can yes. be done, um, you know, and it'll be like yeah. this after the birth. And it just obviously you read it and you think, oh, my goodness, I like, literally couldn't even walk to the toilet. And yeah. I could hear it clicking and it was really quite horrid. And I was immobilized, I'd say, for a couple of days until I decided mm -hmm. I was going to sort it out. So, mm -hmm. um, but I ended up sorting it out with my head trash clearance method, actually. Wonderful. And I yeah. ended up, and, and another method, I, I thought I'm going to work on the emotion that might be mm. blocking me from being in a healthy place and I was amazed I worked on it at night in the morning I woke up and it was all gone and I was like wow never you know and and that's really fascinating to me why that why my body was able to do that and um apparently mm -hmm. the whole stress about how that affects your muscle and your emotions around what you're experiencing can really impact mm -hmm. your body in that way does that kind of when you're hearing me say that you're thinking that sounds crazy or does that make no. sense to you it it totally makes sense. So you're really going into, which is wonderful. And that's pelvic, so pelvic girdle pain can come out in so many ways. And so it's anything kind of involving the, the pelvis. And 
Um, I see it all the time. And so I do incorporate that a lot, um, the mind-body connection, because it is really amazing how our brain affects how our body feels, um, including pain, um, but also even in terms of symptoms, that it can it can really change. So if we only address the physical side, often there's a bit of a missing piece. So I do talk a lot about um, addressing the nervous system, basically, um, can really greatly affect in terms of pain. So that's exactly what happened to you, which is amazing. So <laughs> I no, I don't, I don't think it's weird or anything. I, oh, wow. I, it's very, very relevant. And um, I mean, there's so much uh, pain science research now. So even not necessarily do with pregnancy, but pain in general. Um, just the mind-body connection is so, so key in really um, addressing uh, concerns and symptoms. Mm, yeah, well, pain, I mean, there's a lot of research that I've been reading, which I'm sure you're familiar with all of it and more, is, is around how pain is such a mental construct and how different people's experiences of pain, you know, one person might find one thing painful and the other one doesn't. So it really is a mindset thing. And I think by going in there first, you can only just, it helps you to support your body in that healing process or in, in its own realignment in finding getting back to a good place. So yeah, no, my first protocol now is always what's the hidden emotion, what's going on here, work on that first, and then support the body afterwards. So that but that's because it's my skill set, whereas you would have that and you'd go straight in for the physio piece and, and yeah. do all that kind of work. You know, somebody um, has got pelvic girdle distress or mm-hmm. whatever, all the other names they've got. Yeah. What's the best <laughs> thing that because um, it is absolutely, it's awful. It's really painful. I couldn't even go to the toilet. Mm-hmm. And it's what can a woman do? Is it best to book in with a session with somebody like you? What, what else can she do? Yeah, yeah. No, it can be great if you can um, see a physio who does work with women in terms of pre and, post, um, pre and postpartum. Um, but yeah, in terms of, because a lot of it can be positioning as well. So kind of even going back to the symmetry of the pelvis. Mm. And it can happen to even as baby, especially late in pregnancy like that, the, the baby is shifting and could, you know, be pressing on a certain area or even um, how you were moving or maybe picking something up and think something in terms of tweaked a little bit um, with that. And then your body goes into that kind of shock state. So definitely I would say if you can get in to see someone because they can take a look at your alignment and really try to create that symmetry again. Mm-hmm. So it, that, that can be a wonderful idea. Also um, the, the fear clearance that you mentioned. So it could be in terms of, you know, if some event happened um, that was very stressful, sometimes that can manifest in our body as well, um, how you mentioned. Um, but also even the simplest thing is deep breathing. It's really amazing how deep breathing is very um, connected to our nervous system. And that idea of that uh, fight or flight response that we end up tightening up. Um, so if we bring up the other side of our nervous system, the parasympathetic, so the deep breathing can actually help relax that area. So for some women that I see, um, I will initially see them, we've worked on their pelvic floor, maybe they were tight and we've released that and we've, you know, started strengthening and gone on. Um, but then some stressful event, whether physically or emotionally happens, pain comes on and I check them and their pelvic floor has actually tightened up at that point. Mm. So then we go back to the release work. 
So, um, so definitely in terms of learning to relax the body could actually affect the, the pain that's happening as well. Now, the, another thing you've mentioned is mm-hmm. the diastasis. Have I said that right? I don't know if I've said that Diastasis, right. yeah. Diastasis, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. I, I remember this came up again with my second pregnancy. I think it's just because I was pretty mm-hmm. old by the time I did it the second time. <laughs> but the, and, and I took a while to heal. So let's just talk a little bit about mm-hmm. what that is so that anyone listening mm-hmm. is going, what is she talking about? Kind of <laughs> I know, it's a, a bit more. <laughs> bit of a funny word. So, um, yeah, and there's so diastasis recti, there's kind of a, a few different words with it. Um, but it's referring to um, a separation of your left and right, kind of, if you think of your six pack muscles, um, abdominal muscles that are kind of on the surface, and that they end up sitting farther apart. So it's not that um, a hernia would be that there's actually um, a cut through. Um, so this is not that this is more of a separation. So the tissue that connects the left and right abs stretches. And it's so common during pregnancy, and and depending what um, research you look at, some even say 100% within the third trimester will experience this. Um, So it is a very natural part of pregnancy because it makes sense. Our body has to make space for this baby. Um, The issue can come about is if our core muscles can't necessarily um, contract to support that this, this new change is going on. And then sometimes things can happen in terms of pain or leaking. Um, those things can, can sometimes go together, but not always. So the actual diastasis is that, that separation. Um, and some women you may even notice um, if you're doing kind of a sit-up or crunch type movement and you see almost like a coning or a doming mm-hmm. along the center of your abs, that can be a sign that it's happening. Um, with that, especially during pregnancy, you may see the doming afterwards. Um, you may see that as well, or you may feel kind of a um, kind of a gap between the left and right abs um, when you're lying on your back or even in standing. So that that's really what the diastasis is. Yeah. And um, there can be in terms of afterwards, those first eight weeks after birth, um, there can be in terms of some spontaneous healing in that area. And sometimes beyond that, women need um, a little bit more guidance in terms of how to use their core muscles to help um, recover or heal that area. Mm -hmm. Um, So every woman is a little bit different in how that area heals, but even how the diastasis develops in pregnancy. So there's so much variation. We look at um, typically above the belly button, at the belly button and below. So some women will have that separation all three spots. Some women will only have it in one. Generally around the belly button is the most prominent part just because that's where we tend to grow the most. Um, so yeah, there's so many variations. And for some women, it, it can be um, it can contribute to some issues and for other women it doesn't Mm. Um, and so getting that assessed can be helpful because then that can help even guide types of exercises during pregnancy that may be the most beneficial for you and then also afterwards. So what about then exercise during pregnancy? You know, they get all those, like, those Instagram shots of women in the gym yeah. at 39 weeks and, and then everything mm-hmm. in that roar and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of, is there anything we can do during pregnancy to try and minimise that that from going a bit pear-shaped, as it were, or, or from kind of restrict, you know, support your healing journey on the other side? Is there anything you can do? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things to do is even if any of those movements so often, that sit-up or crunch movement if you notice the doming, it could be something to um, avoid basically activities that you're seeing that happening. So where you're getting symptoms, avoiding those at the time. 
Um, but also learning how to engage your deep core. So your, your pelvic floor, your TA, your transverse abdominis, which is like this, this deep corset muscle, um, your diaphragm as well that sits on top. So those are kind of three of your really deep core muscles. And we have these um, little tiny muscles, multifidus along your spine as well, which can be a part of that, that group. And so learning how to activate those together to support your body in whatever activities that you're looking um, to, to continue with. So again, it's very, it's one of those things that it's very uh, difficult to make kind of a, a blanket statement of like, only do this, don't do this. Um, because I really feel that women should be able to do activities at like their goals. So some women, you know, want to be lifting weights, other women want to be doing yoga. So really in terms of seeing a physio can be helpful because then we can, you know, assess what your body is at that time and just help guide you to do those activities with the best support possible. And going back to that idea of the, the pelvic floor could be tight. Um, so, so for a woman who has a tight pelvic floor versus a woman who does not, that might change what you end up doing during pregnancy as well, um, mm-hmm. just to address those um, if, they're, if they are concerns of yours. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. And so now let's talk post-pregnancy then in terms of mm-hmm. getting the pelvic floor back on track which yes, uh, yes. Uh, mine still needs to go back on track yeah. <laughs> so and I'm glad that you said earlier that it's never too late so I'm really yes. interested but certainly look, for those that really are on it and, and really sensible and do stuff and I know that in France the government pay for women to expect to receive treatment on their pelvic floor pretty much mm-hmm. straight after pregnancy and so French women are very very lucky here and that yes. it'd be great if all women could be offered that, but they can't. So here we are. Mm-hmm. So what can a woman yeah. do to help get her pelvic floor back to where it was post-pregnancy, like straight away? Like what are those first things you can do? Mm-hmm. So initially, what you really want to do is actually very um, gentle exercises. So what we end up talking about, especially if you've had um, any sort of tearing, so an episiotomy or vaginal um, like natural tearing, um, is that you actually want to do a bit of going back to that idea of release work because what can happen is your muscles from the the stitches, the area can actually tense up or kind of guard the area and things get tense. And then we try to go back to exercise that our muscles are trying to tighten again, but they're already tight. So that idea of even doing, again, going back to that breath work, um, really getting your diaphragm to work again so then it gives your pelvic floor a better option to work with it. Um, and so we do deep breathing. The visualization I often use actually to release the pelvic floor is you want to think of a flower blooming out of the bottom of your pelvis. So basically out of your vagina. It sounds really <laughs> funny, but it works really well. And so anytime I tell a client to do it and they kind of laugh, um, but when a pelvic floor physio, if they're feeling internally, more often than not, we actually feel those muscles relax. Um, so a lot of women I see after birth that have pain from tearing, we actually work on that initially before any sort of strengthening that help, helps to release it. And that's also a breath to use during labor and birth. So I'd even say starting with that breath. Um, and then working on, again, alignment. That alignment is so key. So something uh, really important is stacking um, your ribs over your pelvis. And Julie Weeb, who's a wonderful um, physio um, out of the US, she talks about that a lot. Um, So really trying to get your ribs stacked over your pelvis, because then your diaphragm and your pelvic floor and that TA, that corset muscle around the middle, has the best option of working well. So that's, I'd say, what you actually want to start with. And then you would do some gradual um, 
strengthening of the the pelvic floor and that whole system and then gradually getting back to um to other activities so oftentimes women are given i'm not sure if if everywhere it's the same i know here in canada and the us usually there's this six week basic like six week appointment with your care provider so whether it's your obstetrician your gp your midwife and often women wait for that six weeks to get what we call the green light to go back to activity and then oftentimes women kind of go back to doing you know heavy weights or jumping or running or that at that time um and it can almost it can be a better idea just to make sure that your alignment because again your baby came out and your body doesn't naturally go back i don't if you remember alexia i mean i remember after everything is just mush yeah. like regardless of what you do during pregnancy for core your center is mushy so you want to make sure that that foundation is really set first and then gradually getting back to other activities that you really want to get back to. So the key things especially those first, you know, 6 to 8 weeks alignment and getting that deep foundation to work again. So if you do have the option to see a women's health or a public health physio, they can help set you up um for that as well. Um but if not, then working on, you know, the breath work um and alignment is really key. Now, are there any other exercises other than the really really mm-hmm. boring ones of just sitting and <laughs> clenching and releasing at various yeah. tempos? That, yeah. that you can do because I, I I used to do martial art. I love doing crunches. I love doing stuff where I feel like I'm doing something. Yeah. yeah. What other exercises can we do other than the kind of well? Maybe we should talk about the little clenching yeah. one first because obviously that's yeah. really good. One, but I just got so bored with that. I never did yes. it, and that's why I didn't do it. I think. I think if my if somebody said to me just do twenty crunches every day, this one, this one, I probably would have yeah. done that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I need it to be a bit more exciting. I'm yeah. not exciting. So what yeah. what can we do then if we're at home? Mm-hmm. Is there anything we can do? Yeah, so the idea with, and I know the clenching one, the Kegels that you're talking about, yeah. right? And it's so true that um, now more the shift is towards, and how I often will um, teach women is that we want to find our pelvic floor, but then also again with that TA and with the diaphragm. So we end up doing breath work with those with those exercises. So not just isolating the pelvic floor, but getting the rest uh, working. And initially we start lying down, but once women are able to get a an activation that way, then we're up right away. So then we start moving to sitting, to standing, to bring that um activation into squats, into lunges, into bridges. So really a lot of exercises you would do in a lot of different activities. So whether you go to the gym or whether you go to yoga, um so even things like chaturanga in terms of plank, um we bring in that that deep core activation um into that. So really so traditionally it's been that we have these kind of core exercises but I like to more think about bringing your that deep core support into whatever exercise or activity you're doing. So really that's more what it's about. So once you're able to get those initial those initial activations then carrying it into um your goals, your other aspects or other activities you'd like to get back into. So that being said again with every woman it's a bit different so getting that deep foundation first and then building it into your other um exercises or exercises leading up to them so women who want to run oftentimes once they get it the uh that deep core activation on their back then we're moving to standing we're moving to lunge work we're moving to one like standing on one leg work and moving forward that way um and then making sure again when they're running that they have that really great Uh, rib over pelvis alignment so then they can really get their deep core during uh during those movements. So mm. what about then like for me now that's left it a little bit long two two yes. years and counting. 
since the yeah. birth. What should I be doing? What can I do? And what can other women like me, and, and even <laughs> men, women that have left it much longer, how, what mm-hmm. can they do now to rescue the situation and go trampolining again, if that's, if that's yeah. their wish? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in terms of, again, getting that deep foundation again, getting um, learning how to activate that. Um, and then for trampolining, you'd want to be able to learn to activate that. So you would use your exhale to engage inhale release. You want to be able to do that when you're doing squats. And so, cause that would be, um, kind of a, a close idea to when you're jumping on a trampoline, doing one foot work and that as well, doing lunge work. So learning how to activate those muscles when you're standing and when you're moving while you're standing to get you back and kind of that quick, we almost call it rebounding. So it'd be quick movements of your core because that's what happens when you're jumping on the trampoline. So it's just uh, your deep core needs to learn how to accommodate for the forces that are happening when you're on a trampoline because when you're jumping, right, everything's going down. And then as you lift, if things are still lowering, then you're going to get that leaking with it. So it's just about re-educating that deep core um, for that specific task. So definitely you seeing, I would, I would recommend seeing um, a physio in your area just to get that assessed and they'll be able to guide you how to activate um, to be able to get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. So so And what I'm hearing really is it's basically, as long as you're doing core work, your pelvic floor will benefit. So whereas I, I was I was under the impression that I needed to do the Kegels and it was basically quite an isolated exercise. Whereas actually mm. it sounds from what you're saying, as long as you're doing core exercises, so the plank, the crunches, the squats, the lunges, all that kind of stuff, you'll be mm-hmm. supporting your pelvic floor by doing that, by working on the muscles around it anyway. Is that is that am I have I got that right? In a way, yeah. So it's it would be a matter of making sure, though, that your pelvic floor is um, working properly during those movements, because sometimes what happens is a lot of the superficial muscles or there's other muscles compensating for your pelvic floor. So okay. initially with some women, we we really get them to, to find their pelvic floor on its own. But Often it's it's that the diaphragm with the pelvic floor, we really need that relationship and then building it into those other other types of core exercises. Because mm-hmm. um, if we if you just do the other ones without knowing what your pelvic floor is doing or getting it to work with you, then those symptoms um, may still persist. But you're exactly right in terms of um, it's not it shouldn't just be thought of. I just got to, you know, lie on my back and do these like isolated Kegel exercises because you uh, just doing that alone won't necessarily give you the results that you're looking for. So, um, and it also, I totally understand can be boring in terms yeah. of that. So once, once those muscles know how to activate, we want to get you moving and get you to more exciting and creative movements and, and get you back to your goals. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Now, what about, yeah. what's your view on that? I, I, I heard about a uh, Kegel exercise, uh, equipment for want of a better mm. word, which is basically mm-hmm. looks like it, it looks like a tampon with weights on it that you can use have you heard of yes. that and, and are they well, a good idea <laughs> yeah so I actually there are so many and I feel like again social media like every day I'm coming on and I guess maybe just because of what I post <laughs> and what I'm interested in I end up seeing all these new kind of machines and things coming uh, coming on the market and Um, So what you're talking about could be weights in terms of, yeah, like a vaginal weight. Um, And and some recommend. I'm not the biggest fan of it because when you have something like that in, the idea is your pelvic floor is basically basically clenching to hold the the tampon in so to not let it fall out. Um, 
and it doesn't seem to be the most functional way. Like that's not really how our pelvic floor works during the day. So regardless, depending what activity we're doing. So if we're walking, our pelvic floor has to activate to a certain degree and it doesn't actually stay stationary. It's kind of, it's hovering in certain, um, certain levels of activation. And then if we go down and, you know, pick up our child, then it has to do a different type of activation. So throughout the day, it's constantly changing, just like any other muscle in our body. So it's not like our, our quadriceptor, our thigh is constantly clenching the same amount all day. So the same thing goes with our pelvic floor. So just to me, it doesn't make um, the most sense in terms of training those muscles, because that's not really how we work. Plus, with that, it's not addressing, again, the diaphragm, that course, it's not addressing the other muscles that need to work with the pelvic floor. So I'm not the biggest fan of that. I know some people do get that recommended and some people may have results with that. And that's great. Um, It's just not something I tend to to use in my practice. It does sound Mm -hmm. a bit gimmicky actually, but Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. And yeah, I think it's great to get headlines. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm just wondering, one thing I didn't ask about is uh, obviously trampolining, which isn't the thing that everybody's that worried about. It's just, I got caught out quite badly when Mm -hmm. I wanted to go. It's (laughs) sneezing and laughing. So what about, I mean, we haven't talked about sneezing and laughing. Um, Mm -hmm. All this stuff. Is there something different that's going on when you let a bit out, if you've laughed or sneezed or is that the same? Yeah, no. So, so again, there could be a tightness in the pelvic floor. Sometimes that's the case. So then the pelvic floor can't activate properly to address when we cough or sneeze, we get pressure in our, in our abdomen. And you may even notice when you cough or sneeze, you might see it push out, you might see it draw in. Um, So what happens is there may be a weakness in the pelvic floor, but also a timing issue. So we should, there's a reflex that we have that your pelvic floor should come on just before you cough or sneeze or land from a jump or trampoline as well. Um, And sometimes that gets lost and that can happen pregnancy, birth. It can happen to women again who don't have children. And what we want to do is get that coordination back. So it's not, not only about getting the pelvic floor in that deep core system to activate, but it's the timing of it. So for those women, what I'll often have them do is when we get to the point of activating, learning how to activate their pelvic floor with everything else, I have them try it. So when I'm internally feeling their pelvic floor muscles, I'll have them contract their pelvic floor really quickly um, and then do a fake cough. And basically from that, um, they're, they're teaching themselves how to get that reflex back. So I don't necessarily have them practice that at home. Um, but if they're going to cough or sneeze, we've worked on it. And they're aware of how to activate quickly before instead of crossing their legs or <laughs> holding the wall. Everyone just kind of stops and braces. Um, and you want to get to the point that you could like walk down the street, right? And not have to stop to sneeze or cough. Um, so that's really what it's about. So the the activation that I've been talking about, kind of one of the cues, there's so many different cues, but it's when we exhale, if you picture, so a blueberry or uh, a marble, something small at your vaginal opening and rectal opening, you're thinking as you exhale that you're actually drawing both of those up and in. And so that's the idea when, if you were to cough or sneeze, you want to think of drawing those up and in really quickly and then you would cough or sneeze. And so many women I see, it's actually a pretty quick change and resolving of that issue when we're ready to strengthen. So as long as there's no tightness, we start to bring that quick activation in and often it's it's resolved fairly quickly. Um, with that, they just want to make sure afterwards you don't stay tight and keep those lifted. You want to, again, go back to that, that release work. So even trying that out, you may even notice a difference. Um, 
And as a pelvic physio, we have so many cues. So for some women, that idea of lifting a blueberry or a marble or, or a bean or something doesn't get the muscles to work as well. Sometimes we, I talk about, you know, you think of a straw and a milkshake, drawing a milkshake up and in. You can think of a jellyfish, drawing a jellyfish up and in. Like there's so many cues and they sound so funny. Um, but it's it goes back to that mind-body connection, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, idea yeah. of what you visualize actually can help your change what your muscles actually do um so that's how we resolve the coughing and sneezing is often that that um technique brilliant brilliant well there's Mm -hmm. been so much there's been you've shared so much this is brilliant i'm just wondering is there anything that you haven't said that you think a Mm -hmm. pregnant woman needs to hear um, as she Um, goes into birth that you think ah i still haven't talked about this is there anything i've missed um i would say the only thing would be is um kind of the I think the the common or the traditional idea out there is do tons of kegels while you're pregnant to help in terms of with um, pregnancy with birth and afterwards and I would say the biggest thing going into birth is again that pelvic symmetry but also learning to release your pelvic floor because when it comes to birth if all you know how to do is tighten that baby is coming out whether it's vaginally or through a cesarean birth that baby is coming out so if all your body knows how to intuitively do is tighten, that's really not going to help uh, with birth. So learning actually how to release, regardless of what you're going into birth with, I think is really that key part. So that flower bloom breath that I mentioned, doing that, um, going into birth in various positions. Um, so some women do it in a really deep squat. Um, and even some of the amazing positions you can do with a birth ball. So if you're on hands and knees, resting your body over the ball, sitting on the ball, Um, but even just sitting in general with the legs apart, the symmetry and releasing your pelvic floor, I can't emphasize enough is, is so beneficial going into birth. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Anita, it's been absolutely brilliant chatting to you. I've been so pleased we finally got you on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Thank Thank you you very much. Thank you. you. Now, if anyone is in your, I mean, you, you still in Toronto, is that where you are? No. So I'm just North of Toronto in uh, a smaller city called Peterborough. Um, so it's just a couple hours north of Toronto. Okay, so mm-hmm. where, if anybody is in Peterborough, yeah. we've got a yes. Peterborough here in the UK that's not far from me, actually. Yes, yes. <laughs> I know anytime if you look up on the internet, both the UK and Ontario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm not yeah, far from yeah. that one either. So uh, <laughs> but if anyone is in the Canadian Peterborough, they want to check you out, come and say hi, get a session yeah. with you. Where can they yeah. find you online? Yes. Yeah, so in terms of, um, so my website is www.holistichealthphysio.com. Um, you can also find me on Facebook or Instagram at, at Holistic Health Physio or on Twitter at Holistic Physio. Brilliant. Well, thank you mm-hmm. once more, Anita, for coming on the Fear Free Child Podcast. It's been brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, Alexia, for, for all that you do and for for having a third session in terms of episodes because I just it helped, well, it's helped myself, but so many women. So thank you for, for doing what you do. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I thought Anita was just so brilliant. She just explains everything so clearly and articulately. It's just wonderful. But also she shared a ton of resources with me that I'm going to be putting in the podcast show notes. So what she shared, she shared a link to Spinning Babies, which she's given me because she says it's a great resource for creating pelvic balance and alignment during pregnancy and labour. Then there's also some articles that she shared with me in for women's physio stuff. So there's one about how to find your ideal alignment and also how to access your deep core. Then she's also 
uh, give me a link to a an ebook and an e-course called Prepare to Push. So that's worth checking out. And then also she's created a free resource guide, her top seven tips that she used to have a positive fear-free birth. And that's completely free. All the links to that are in the podcast show notes, as well as all the links to find Anita on her social media, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. So anyway, I hope that that was useful for you. Now, I just wanted to recap the offer that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, because Anita did mention that she used the head trash clearance method. And maybe you're thinking, oh, actually, yes, I'd like to do that too. So if you do want to use the head trash clearance method, I'm doing a 50% only uh, 50% discount only this weekend off the course. So if you're going to take action, do it. It's because of the whole Mother's Day thing that I explained at the beginning. So if you want to do that, then check out the email that I'll be sending out on Friday. So you just need to join the Fear Free Childbirth list at the fearfreechildbirth.com website on the homepage, and then you will be able to find out details of the discount. Okay, bye for now. You've just been listening to me, Alexia Leachman, here on the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, this is just a wee reminder that if you'd like to listen to bonus podcast episodes and have access to loads of birth preparation downloads, my video mini-series on reducing your fears and so much more, then join the Fearless Mamaship community today. You can join at fearfreechildbirth.com. Until next time, bye for now.